Hello, and welcome to the Antioch Fort Worth weekly podcast. At Antioch, our desire is to cultivate a passion for Jesus and his purposes on the earth. To connect with us in community, partner with us through giving, or visit on a Sunday morning, please visit AntiochFortWorth.com. We hope you enjoy this week's sermon from lead pastor Jamie Miller. I want to uh, just, we've got so many great preachers, and uh, Lindy Pinkston brought the word last week, just did a great job. And uh, thankful for her. We've been walking together 20-something years now. I, it's just, uh, there's a lot of great friends, you know, been walking together for a long time. Remember when Conan came into her life? <laughs> it's a whole nother story. But there was a bunch of big brothers that needed to get to know this guy named Conan. And he quickly passed the test. And, and it's, a, it's a joyful light in my life. I'm thankful for Conan. Uh, you know, Lauren was singing just a moment ago. Uh, sorry, not meaning to call you out. Just she was singing, and and just it, it just give me Jesus, man. You know, and I just I I want to encourage us. I mean, that's what we want. We we want to follow Jesus, and we don't want to just even believe things about him. We want to actually do what the New Testament says. You know, be like him, be with him, be like him, follow him, do what he says. And that's the journey that we're on here. It's not just being Christians, like that's what we do in America, but we really want to follow Jesus. And that's, that's my heart. And I just felt prompted to say that. Um, I need to hear it. Anybody else? Um, I'm going to share some good news today. And, you know, the good news, a lot of times uh, we frame it like it's you share the good news and then there's now you've got to make a decision about it. And that's true. There's always some decisions we're making, but it's, it's good news by itself. What I'm, what I'm about to share, it stands all alone. It's the good news about Jesus. And it just, it stands there and there it is. And it's good news of great joy for everybody in the world. So open your Bibles, if you would, to Luke chapter 2, verses 1 to 20. We are wrapping up the Advent series today. And so we've, we've gone through a few parts. It's, we called it given, which I think really fit with our finishing up the Nathan. That's what that word means in, in Hebrew is given. It's used over 1,800 times in the Old Testament. And that's been a key word for us, a Nathan people, given to God, given for others. But it's also a great incarnation this time of year word because God has given us his son. He's given us himself. He's given us the fellowship and intimacy that he shares with the Son in the power of the Spirit, and he's poured that out and given us and just brought us right into that circle. It's beautiful. So last week, uh, the first week was a son is given. Graydon hit that one, Isaiah 9, great passage. A son is given. Then it was everything is given. We're talking a lot about grace. Everything is given to share and multiply as grace for all peoples. And then last week it was Mary, but it was specifically we're focused in on a life that's given. What happens when a life is given? You know, it touches people. Salvation, healing, freedom, help, grace, all those things. And then today, joy is given. <laughs> Can I get a witness? I'll just, I'm going to let you guys in on a little secret here. A lot of times when I stand up or when somebody else stands up to preach, have a little warfare last week on that word about a life being given, maybe? Yes. I didn't ask Graydon if he had any warfare that week. But just a lot of times you have to walk through the opposite 
Not saying that all the time, that that's the prediction, but sometimes I might have had to struggle with joy a little bit this week. <laughs> Just saying. Um, and was reminded of that this morning. I was coming through the bathroom, one of my last trips through there on my way out, and my wife graciously, gently asks me, looks over at me, and she says, now, this sermon's about joy, right? <laughs> I was like, yes. <laughs> Help me, Lord. <laughs> I guess I was moping around or something. <laughs> oh, man, busted. <laughs> We're all just humans together on this journey. Thank you very much. And so we are talking about joy. Joy and gonna practice. We're gonna talk about practice and joy too. I'm talking about practice. That's right. To quote AI, there. That's not for everybody, but some people will understand that. Amen. So let me just say it this way joy is one of those things that we live in the tension of because we, li- we are a now and not yet people. We live in the tension of living between the times. Now, the, the Jewish people had two main kind of frameworks for understanding the ages. There was this age, and then there was the age to come. This age was marked by all the hard stuff that we live through, injustice and pain and wars. But the age to come was going to be marked by plenty and justice and righteousness and love. And they understood that those ages, the new age, would be set off by the resurrection What they didn't expect was for that age to push back into the current age in the incarnation, life, ministry, death, resurrection, and ascension, and ultimate return of Jesus Christ. And so now, because of Jesus, we live in the in-between time. The kingdom is, is, is now. It's happened. But it's also not yet. We don't experience the fullness of the kingdom of God. It's happened, but it's not the fullness And so we experience joy, but not the fullness. We experience hope, but not the fullness. We experience love, but not the fullness. We experience, what's another one of the peace, but not the fullness. All those are Advent themes. And really, Advent itself, it's just a reminder that comes up on the church calendar. This is how we're kicking off the year. And Advent itself is a reminder that we are in between the times. It's it's straight up a reminder that Jesus Christ has come into the world, but we live in tension, and that Jesus Christ is coming again, that we are an eschatological people. We we are an end times people, and some people don't understand that that we're an end times people. We're actually talking about the end times all the time. I'm talking, have you ever seen me do this? Anybody ever seen me do this? We're a signpost people. We're pointing toward the way things will be. We are a time machine people. We are expressing the way things should be in the now. We do that imperfectly. Can I get a witness? Right? We do that imperfectly, but that's what we're called to do. We're called to, every time I speak a blessing over over our church and we go out into the world, into our spheres of influence, what are we trying to do? We're trying to bring the kingdom. We're trying to express heaven's will on the earth, the reign of King Jesus on the earth with love and righteousness, joy, you know, not just be bummer people that look like everybody else. 
We're marked by the radiance and the life and the love and the grace of Jesus. Even through our trials. Yeah, I cannot get a witness. It's, it's, in fact, it's, it's in the trials that finding somebody who walks in the rest of the Lord is like a blinding light in the midst of a world gone crazy, right? So if we can walk in God's peace and rest in the wholeness of the Father's love and the communion of the Spirit, that's what we, we are called to. And so the story that we find ourselves in, and we're gonna actually be taking some time on the story piece next year. We had a great sermon planning time this past week. A number of us were able to be there. And um, we're talking about, because there's such biblical illiteracy in our world right now, we're just gonna back up and we're gonna just tell the story from before the beginning and through the ark and to the very end of, and just, but do it in more detail. You guys know I'm talking that way all the time, but I, I want us to really plant our, plant our legs, our, plant our feet on the ground, on the solid ground of who God is and what his story is and what he's doing and where we're going with all of this. And I think it's gonna really help us. And part of the thing is, in telling the story of God, I did have a little extra coffee, and it was good. That's the first time I've had that coffee out there. I usually don't have it. I, I, I came under censure some time ago because I wasn't, I was when I was younger and learning how much coffee I could have, you know, and it was the day that I went, and my voice was shaky. She's like, yeah, that's it. You're, we're cutting you off. But I snuck some today. It was good. Buongiorno. You know what happened was, this is another side story, I, I need to focus, but I was up in Arkansas last week at a board of advisors thing, and they gave me some of this Onyx coffee. Now, I didn't, Onyx, Monix, I, it, it means nothing to me, but we look it up, and it's like, oh, this is, and it had lots of long words and descriptive things about the citrusy something of the third wave of coffee that's coming to America. And it was really good. And so, so then I tried to make another cup, and, and, and she asked me, and it had been under there for a while, you know, and I, she asked me how it was, and I said, well, it, it makes my nose wrinkle, and it tastes like several different kinds of burned things. I, that was the old coffee, yeah. So anyway, there are different kinds of coffee out there in the world. Some of you guys are visiting, and you're going, where's the meat? I don't, this doesn't seem real deep yet. It's coming promise. So where we find ourselves in the story makes all the difference in the world. The story you're telling makes all the difference in the world. There's a way of telling the story. A lot of times it's, it's the way it's told on tracks. It's like, you've got a problem. It just starts right with you. You've got a problem. You're a sinner, you know, but God sent Jesus to deal with that problem. Now you can know him. And it's almost like Jesus is kind of brought in to kind of work out the problems like a tool in the father's hand. And then you know, but now you're forgiven and Jesus is kind of out of the picture. 
So what we want to do is keep telling the full story of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit before creation in a circle of unending, eternal love. And out of the fullness of that love, there is a plan that is hatched for creation, for us to be adopted into the family. And nothing less than our adoption and enjoyment of that love is going to satisfy the longing of our hearts. You can even hear good news about being forgiven, but if you miss out on the really good news that God has accepted us, declared us to be holy in his sight and blameless and adopted us into his family through Jesus Christ, anything less than that's not going to be the full story. So that's just huge. And what's going on then out of that story, that dance is what we call it sometimes, the great dance of love, the perichoretic dance of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Perichoresis just means to interpenetrate without losing distinction. So they are one, absolutely one God in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, without losing the distinction of their personhood. These are Big things for us to think about and chew on. But then in the incarnation, that dance is extended to us. It's extended into our lives. The dance is then extended to us as Jesus takes on our humanity and assumes our humanity, not just Jewish humanity and not just European humanity, but all humanity. Men, not just men, female humanity. What he does for us, he does on behalf of humanity. And where Adam and Eve run and hide in their brokenness and fallenness, Jesus comes in to assume that humanity and to redeem it and to make it new. Where the, the world system and the, the sin that happens systemically that just the enemy works through, Jesus steps into our brokenness into the pain of loss and he wins the victory declaring with power over the enemies that their power has come to nothing and that he is the one in whom all the authority in heaven and on earth has been given. He's got the, the authority back. And then, yeah, and so then where Israel couldn't live out the covenant, Jesus literally steps into Israel's story as the true Israelite and he fulfills the covenant, and then he makes a new covenant for us. New humanity, victory over the powers, over darkness, victory with a new covenant for a people together, not just Jews now, but Jews and Gentiles, which was Abraham's promise in the beginning, the Jew-Gentile, but that all the nations of the earth would be blessed in your seed, in the man, Christ Jesus, who is the great mediator between God and men. Isn't that good news? Just speaking truth here to you. And so each one of the Gospels unpacks a different part of the story that I was just alluding to there. Matthew, it's Israel's genealogy, right? From Abraham all the way down to Jesus. So it's the Israel story. Emmanuel, God with us. Flash that Instagram post from Rich Viotis. Rich is a guy, I met him a couple years ago, he's New Life Fellowship pastor up in Queens in uh, New York City. They got 75 nations that go to their church. I mean, and it helps that you're in Queens because you got 75 nations walking around outside your building. It's really cool. But uh, on Emmanuel, he says, God with us, not God against us, 
Not God apart from us. That's the incarnation. Not God apathetic towards us. No, God for us. God one of us. God empathetic toward us. God with us. And that's what, Ma- that's what Matthew is saying. And uh, so, so that's Matthew. John, then, the start of John, it's the light has come into the world and shining into the darkness, the victory theme over the powers of darkness. And then the one we're looking at today, it's that other piece there where Luke's genealogy goes back, not through Israel, but all the way back to Adam. So it's about humanity. It's about Israel. It's about humanity. It's about victory over the darkness. All of those themes are there. And so today, let's look at Jesus coming into the world in Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 20. And if you would stand up, please, everybody. And we just do this uh, most every week. Doesn't have to be every week. But why do we do this? To honor the reading of the word. Amen. This is the place that it has in our lives. We honor the scriptures because these scriptures point to the one who is the living word and his story. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths. And placed him in a manger because there was no room, no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord, and this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to men on whom his, to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. And so they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. And Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart, and the shepherd returned, shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had seen and heard, which were just as they had been told. This is the word of God, and we say, thanks be to God. Amen. Have a seat. Okay. Yeah, so the the key verse there, then, that I really want to highlight today, just for a minute, is verse, I believe it's 10, 
verse 10, uh, the angel appears to them. They're terrified, but the angel says, don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people today in the town of David, the Messiah, the Lord. He's born, quotes there then Isaiah 7, this will be a sign to you. The baby will be wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger. The company of heavenly hosts, the angels there, heaven opens, and there they are singing, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. So the, the good news, just for a little bit of a Greek lesson here, good news is the Greek word euangelion, which, which means an announcement or a proclamation about a king. That's, that's what that is. So it's when you say, I've got good news, it's, it could be like they found a plaque in the first century. It was about something about Caesar Augustus had a birthday. That was a euangelion. So Augustus had a birthday. So it's about, it's an announcement about a king. So this is good news. And it just, that's why I said this earlier. It stands on its own. This is good news of great joy that Jesus Christ is born. The Messiah is in the world. The King of kings and the Lord of lords has become a baby, has stepped into our darkness, into our mess, into our humanity, and lives in the middle of Adam's flesh, but without sin, bringing God and man together in the person, this, this mediator, God, man, and, and even creation itself in, in, in the person of Jesus Christ, who is the word of creation. And so Advent then is an invitation. Here's the main thing. Advent is an invitation for us to the joy that is given now and the joy that is coming. It's uh, in the midst of tension and trials. That's where we live. At least that's where I live. Middle of, anybody gotten out of tension and trials yet? So that's where we live. Real life is marked by both. It, you know, it's not just joy. It's not just sorrows. And I think even saying sorrows, that's a bit of foreshadowing here for me because it's often it's in the contrast times that we most experience the blessing of the Lord. You know, it's in the darkness that we see the greatest light. You know, and it's in our hardest times that maybe, just maybe, the Lord wants to bring the greatest experience of joy ever. And so joy is given. It could be hope through despair. It could be peace in the midst of anxiety. These themes that we talk about during Advent time. So Advent is, first of all, an invitation to the joy that is given, that is given. And I think it's interesting here, right off the bat, um, just when he says, the angel said to them, do not be afraid. That is, some say, the most repeated command in Scripture. I don't know exactly how to track it all down, but I've heard it said it's the most repeated command. Don't be afraid. And if you think about us, as people, I probably need to be told that frequently. You know, part of the fall is that we run and hide. We do stuff, and we think we need to hide from God. It's the first response of Adam and Eve post getting the knowledge of good and evil. Our, what we do with the knowledge of good and evil is become fearful. You know, we, we're made to trust God. Instead, we choose our own way. And fear is often the, the result. So, uh, you know, 
what's going on here, and I just I want to be really clear right now that this story that we're reading, everything is in the light of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Okay, so Jesus is raised from the dead. I know this is a story about the birth, but Jesus is raised from the dead. That's why we're talking about the birth. <laughs> Jesus is raised from the dead and declared with power through the resurrection from the dead to be the true king and Lord of the world. And so now everything is being looked at in the light of that resurrection. That's why the gospel writers are going back and they're searching the scriptures. It's called the Emmaus way of reading scriptures. You know, that's the, they, Jesus comes to the disciples on the road to Emmaus and then he unpacks all that's said in the scriptures about himself. It's the way we are called to read scripture ourselves is in the Emmaus way through the light and the lens of Jesus, through the light and lens of the resurrection. It changes everything. That's what Matthew's doing in his genealogy, Emmanuel, God with us. That's what John's doing. The lights come into the darkness. That's what Luke is doing here. That's why he's telling the story the way he's telling it. We interpret everything. Israel, the, the, all the stuff that happened to Israel, we interpret it now through the light and through the lens, through the revelation of looking backward retrospectively from the resurrection because it changes everything. We are so, uh, we're in darkness trying to look at life without looking through the lens of Jesus Christ. We are groping along in the power of the knowledge of good and evil without Jesus who comes into our darkened, I am not world that I'm just beating myself up and beating anybody else that's within distance of me. And then Jesus brings the light, the true light of who he is and who God is. And he is the key to understanding scripture and the key to understanding the stories. That's what's going on in these gospels. That makes sense. So if you look at the beginning of Matthew and Luke, I think both of these writers give you a, a sense that both of these couples have some understanding of what's going on. Zechariah and Elizabeth, whoa, like God prophesied all this stuff and now some stuff's really big starting to happen. Joseph and Mary, you know, you got a couple angelic visitations, some dreams, some prophetic words. Your son's gonna be the savior of the world. Whoa, you know, I've been hearing about this. This is amazing. And she's believing, she's treasuring these things up in her hearts. Now, think about what's going on. This happened in real time. In history, time and place, under Caesar Augustus, little detail, Quirinius was the governor of Syria. You've got all those facts going on. And all of these, all of these ancient hopes and dreams, the exile, the brokenness, the broken covenant, the, the broken promises, all of this stuff. I mean, 600 years earlier, Ezekiel had watched the glory depart from the temple and leave. So, I mean, this is a long, long time of waiting. If you read the minor prophets, I was reading Zechariah some this week. You know, you've got like eight chapters of kind of sort of looking like, well, God's going to do it. God's going to do it. He's going to come. He's looking at history. There's a way out of this. And then from eight, eight on, nine on, it's, it's not going to happen. There's going to be no way this is going to happen unless it's God. And they started looking for the day of the Lord, for God to come himself. Malachi, the end of chapter three of Malachi, it's the end of the Old Testament. And he says, and look, 
Suddenly, the Lord God that you are looking for will come suddenly to the temple. You know? And so here we are in the middle of this story. This suddenly, there is good news of great joy that will be for all the peoples of the world. Not just one people, but lots and lots of people. You know, and we want to interpret our life, our living, our marriages, our children, everything in the light of this story, everything in the light of being disciples. I'm not, over, I'm not overselling this. I know we all have different jobs and things that we do, but we are called to see our very life in terms and through the lens and in connection with Jesus Christ, who is the Lord of heaven and earth. That's like joy is given. We're brought into that inexpressible and glorious joy. It's the way Peter says it, but it's also through trials and tribulations and you go through the fire, but you're brought into inexpressible and glorious joy and receiving the salvation of your souls. Beautiful. We don't always see it in the moment, but we can look back retrospectively and see the grace of God again and again and again. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm in it, I'm in it, this stinks. I, I, I know grace is, I'm trusting that grace is gonna be happening here because I've experienced it in the past. That's kind of the way we do it. I tr Jesus, I know you're here with me because you've always been there in the past. You know, and we rely on that. We look retrospectively and then we trust in the middle of what we're going through. So a couple of things here about receiving this joy. This will be good news of great joy for all the people. We receive joy because of Jesus, and that's what I've been saying. And we fix our eyes on him. We consider him. We look to him. He is the Lord. That's what happened with the shepherds. They went and saw him, and they went away rejoicing, praising God. Mary, she sees Jesus, and what is she doing I mean, she's looking at him, she's pondering, she's thinking deep, she's treasuring him. That's what we're called to do, ponder, think deeply, treasure the Lord, give praise and glory and honor to him, fix our thoughts on him. So we receive, but we also train. I wanna say, can, can we just say that together? We train, we train. There's a training that goes on and we, we learn to run we learn to, to develop stamina in the joy area. You know, we get stretched and we practice for joy. It, it is Jesus learned obedience through what he suffered. Hebrews chapter five, verse eight. He, for the joy that was set before him, Hebrews 12, three, he endured the cross. Ever feel like you're enduring through something or Persevering, we don't like those words. Hey, persevere. God wants to bring some patience into your life. Long suffering, it does. It's a fruit of the spirit. And yet we like, oh, I don't want it that way. You know, I don't wanna have to wait, you know, the eight seconds it's gonna take to heat up my Pop-Tarts. It was random. Acknowledgement to a friend from a distance named Brian. Uh, where was I? Um, 
Yeah, so even Philippians. Philippians would be a great spot. You know, so there's this command, rejoice. You know, it's a, it's a, you, you, you work at that. Rejoice in the Lord always. That's not always easy, but it's command. So rejoice, rejoice in the Lord. I'll say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. That's a training thing. The Lord is near. Be praying. Don't be anxious about stuff, but in every situation, by prayer, petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. That's training stuff, right? It's training for me to think different things. It's training for me to think about the right stuff, the pure stuff, the, the stuff that, that I need to be thinking about. What's that next verse? Verse seven, whatever's pure, whatever's noble, whatever's right, if anything's excellent, praiseworthy, you, we, we think about these things. That means I, I bounce away from the things that aren't that. Like, if we just took that, that one Bible verse and applied that to all social media, what a glorious world, you know. I guess, would, would it just go out of business or? I, I don't know. I, there's something subversive there, though. To think about right things, pure, noble, excellent, admirable, praiseworthy. So that's practice. That's, that's practicing the way of Jesus. It's us learning to practice, to be with him, to become like him, to do what he says to do, to do what he did. That's what we're called to do, to be a joyful people. And if, if we're really doing it, then we're practicing it. You know, I don't just... Get there. I had an interesting. I had some people. I was up there on that Arkansas trip, and uh, and uh, had several people talk about my joy, you know. And I wasn't feeling particularly joyful per se. Now I will say, my number one positivity strength on the Strengths Finder thing is almost always positivity. So there's, it's a blessing to have me around because I'm going to find the upside. You know, you could be telling you know, some hard story, you know, and I'll be like, you know, yeah, but on the upside, and, and it's, that's helpful sometimes, but it's not always joy, and it can get annoying, and it can cause me to miss things about people. Eh, you know, but on the upside, yeah, but I think there's a character deal there. I think there's a problem. Yeah, but on the upside. We've all got our strengths, right? Um, Jimmy, down in Waco, he says, that's what I love about you, man. You're fun to be around. But it caught me off guard when they said joy was in my life. Because I was just, it's been, been a hard season, you know? And I didn't feel marked by joy. And so I was encouraged. And I want that because, like, it's walking in the spirit, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Somebody shot me down on that one. And so that's walking in the spirit. And that's the joy, walking the joy that's given to us in the Lord. That's what we're talking about. But then Advent is also an invitation to, to the joy that's coming. And here's where, the, here's where it gets tense, the, the tension part, is I don't fully experience it as I should. And knowing the story then for us is huge. And I'm gonna just use this word again. We are an eschatological people. That means we are a people that live our lives in light of the story that where things go in the end. 
And by that, I don't mean, you know, like talk about some, some of the weird sectarian things that people divide over. It's, it's not the end. They're, they're, they're dividing a lot of times over what happens right before the end. <laughs> if you know some of these different theories and things. It, they're dividing what happens right before the end, not the end. And it's the end is like new heavens, new earth, the restoration of all things is the language of the New Testament. You know, Peter, we look forward to the new, the new heavens and the new earth. Of all things being made right, just, holy, as it should be. That's what we're longing for. And we're not tripping up. We're not tripping up over pre, mid, all the different deals that are right here before the Lord. He's coming again. And when he comes again, he's going to make things right. We're going to see him as he is. We're going to be like him. We're going to be transformed into the fullness of glory. I think my own thought is that it's going to be continually happening, you know, because he's ultimate glory. We'll be continually being, there's always going to be more to appreciate and to love in him and, and to see in him. But that is the why. As we're on a story, the story's going somewhere, and we're living in a way that helps to facilitate that end. That's why we pray the kingdom prayer. Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth. Make it on earth the way it is in heaven. And we're not there yet, but we want to live into that. And so the way we live, it matters. The peace that we walk with, the love that we walk with, the hope that we walk with, it matters. The joy that we walk with, because we are seeing the end of a story, and we know that Jesus reigns, and we reign with him in that end time. And so even as we're going through it, we find ourselves in hard times in so many different ways during these last couple of years. Can I get a witness? But Jesus is coming again, and it's good news. It's the other side of Advent. He's come, and he's coming again. Jesus has come, and he's coming again. And we feel the tension of it. I think probably one of the most pastoral letters in the New Testament is 2 Corinthians. And you see a vulnerability in Paul that's maybe like nowhere else. You know, I mean, he's been through some hard stuff. It was like he lived through 2020 you know, 2021. And listen to what he says. And I'm just, I'm, I know he's in the first century. I'm saying that because like there's hard times, you know, and we've different, different ways. We've been through hard times. There's been loss. And he says, rather to the Corinthians, as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way in great endurance and troubles and hardships and distresses, in beatings, imprisonments and riots, in hard work, sleepless nights, and hunger, in purity, understanding, patience, and kindness, in the Holy Spirit and in sincere love, in truthful speech and in the power of God, with weapons of righteousness in the right hand and in the left, through glory and dishonor, bad report and good report, genuine yet regarded as impostors, known yet regarded as unknown, dying and yet we live on, Beaten and yet not killed, sorrowful and yet rejoicing, poor yet making many rich, having nothing and yet possessing 
everything. We've spoken freely to you, Corinthians, opened our hearts wide to you. We are not withholding our affection from you, but you are withholding yours from us. As a fair exchange, I speak to you as my children. Open wide your hearts also. I mean, that is, that's a powerful word as we think about the different tension places of life right now. Like God, like it's joy in the Advent time. Joy is given, but we are in the in-between time. And it's gonna be given in fullness but we learn joy along the way. We keep joy out there in front of us. We go through hard times. We endure. We're patient. We persevere. We're not quitting. We're not giving up. We're gonna keep going. And it's, it's limpy some days, right? It's limpy. I don't know if that's the right form of that word there, but it's, it's like that. Um, we've got a good friend, Reg Cox, who, man, known for 30-something years. And, uh, you know, he lost his dad many years ago. And um, Jim Reynolds was telling me he had, he had done a post recently about, about his dad. And he said, you know, if it hadn't been for the joy of the Lord, like, because, yes, it's sorrowful. Yes, I miss my dad. But he's also brought the joy of the Lord in the midst of the pain, in the midst of the trial. And I just thought, that's mature. That's, that's, that's a word for all of us. Yes, we go through hard stuff. And yes, there is the fruit of the Spirit to meet us and to empower us, to bubble up in our lives. There is hope for despair, peace for anxiety, love for the pain and the angst of a hateful world. And there is joy in the midst of sorrow. And so I'm just trying to catch the balance of that. Isaiah has put a lot of language on it. If you read the prophet Isaiah, he's got a language. It's like, arise, shine, your light has come. It's light in the midst of darkness. You know, it's, we see the great light in the midst of darkness. We experience dancing best after morning, right? We experience beauty best out of ashes, couldn't even believe that something so beautiful would rise up out of this painful thing. And yet, that's the way Isaiah describes it. This will be a sign for you. A baby will be born to a virgin. He'll be wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Isaiah 7, verse 14. And then the way the great creed says it is that God of God has come into the world. Light of very light. Jesus Christ the Savior. And that brings us back to this announcement. You know, grace and peace to you, blessing to you. Don't be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people of the world. This good news of great joy. We are a people together, and we need to proclaim this. I mean, there's stuff to do, but I, part of it is just proclaiming the gospel, you know, that Jesus is alive. Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God who came in flesh, walked on the earth for 33 years, went to a, cr a cruel cross, died and was raised on the third day by the power of God, walked on the earth for 40 days, ascended to the right hand of God and poured out his spirit so that we can experience this and be drawn into the power and beauty of it. It's good news. You know, our capacity, I heard this the other day from somebody, 
We did this in our life group, but we are so wired for negativity. We, we, you know, just, part of it's just our fallenness. We, we look out and it takes three seconds to imprint something negative on our minds. I, I think some of it's like, is there trouble out there? Looking on the horizon, ah, there's trouble, ah, you know, run. And so three seconds for a negative thing to imprint on your mind. How, would, how many would say you, you get it? Doesn't take long. Like I, re, I remember that negative thing that that person did. But it takes 14 seconds to imprint a positive memory into our heads. And so we did, we were talking about this at Life Group the other night. We had a big table of food and we were eating together. And we talked about this three seconds negative, 14 seconds positive. And so we just had a pause and kind of looked around. It was awkward. <laughs> and just kind of looked around at each other. And then I sent a picture out. We took a picture uh, after and then sent a picture out to the life group and said, would you do a 14-second pause? Just look at this picture and think some good thoughts, something you want to put in your mind and remember about last night and about our life group. So I want us to do that right now. If you would just stand up, and we're going to band come on up. We're going to do a before, we're going to do some ministry too, but... Uh, First thing I want us to do is a, uh, a 14 second pause. Don't hit the timer yet. Just look around this room, put a smile. Now, now start looking, look at a couple other people. Put something you wanna put in your mind, positive, about our church life together. And let it be imprinted now. Hit the timer, 14 seconds. I want to remember this. Yeah. Amen. Father, I just pray in the name of Jesus that you would Release the revelation that joy to the world has been given in and through the person of Jesus, our Lord and our Savior. Lord Jesus Christ, you are the Son of God. We acknowledge you. We bow our knee to you, our, our posture to you. We say you're the King and the Lord. Thank you for bringing us into the love that you share with the Father in the fullness of the Spirit. We love you, Lord. Yeah, and I just, just as we respond to the Lord here, uh, ministry team, come on up. Just, you know, there's, there's, I just want you to respond to specifically where you're at because everybody's got di different tension places. We got different things we need prayer about, but it's an invitation to joy. It's an invitation that God's hope has been given. God's love has been given. God's peace has been given. God's joy really is given to us. And so wherever you find this, it might be a healing for a, something from the past that you know of, just man, get prayer. People want to pray and there's power that's released as we just, you know, lay hands on one another and pray that God's, that, that it would happen in the name of Jesus. So Father, meet us today um, where just let Jesus be the revelation uh, that we see here, that we respond to in this Advent season of the joy coming now, but us longing for it in fullness when you come again. 
We love you, Lord. In the name of Jesus, amen. Hey, let's just pray. Just, just pray with somebody you came with. Come up here, get prayer. Let's press into the Lord. If you're living in the tension, something you want to see happen, 